0: Well, hi everyone. Um, just want to firstly start by giving you really deep heartfelt greetings from our whānau, the Reynolds family, to your household, however that situation might be, whether you're on your own or with your family or with others. Just, yeah, really hope you're doing well in this season. And, um, yeah, I was down to speak for the 12th of September for why worship through the lens of opportunity when we planned out these sessions um, and through the season and then I then we went into lockdown and I thought surely score I've let off the hook I could do that later <laughs> Lyndon surely wouldn't ask me or expect me anyway here we are I am going to do my best to get through this I've said that I won't push stop um and uh, but I'm already on take I don't know how many so let's uh, see if I can yeah so whenever you're watching uh, this I hope that yeah you find some encouragement from the things that um, I have had brewing on my heart even though I really hoped I wouldn't have to sit in front of a camera and share it with you the mechanism is not what I'm used of but, um, you know what, the message actually hasn't changed, and if anything, this season has made it a stronger message. So, why worship in this season? And I think we can all agree, however you'll be experiencing it, it is definitely a season of chaos. There is uh, so many uncertain, and yeah, depending on what you understand about those things is, I think, depending on how you experience them. Or Experience this season, rather, and um, but why worship in this season? However, you find that for yourself, I think it's a great question to ask. I found myself um, in weeks one and two going, God, why? How do I? How do I worship you in the in what I'm feeling with the chaos? And I remember thinking of the story of um, of Jesus calling Peter out of the boat into the waves. And I'd studied that um, that piece of scripture uh, last year in, in my studies that I did through the vineyard college and what I learned and looked at was that actually when Jesus called Peter out of the boat, he didn't he didn't calm the waves first. You know, those waves and the, the chaos would have been incredibly daunting. He didn't He didn't calm them first and then call Peter. He called Peter to trust him and to come to him in the chaos. And um, and the image of Jesus walking on the water, walking on the waves, and being able to calm that storm takes us back to the image, and they would have known, the disciples would have known, back to the image of the Spirit of God hovering over the deep, He spoke order in a time of disorder. There wasn't order in the beginning and he created out of that. So those were the first um, thoughts I'd been having around the season that we find ourselves in. Actually, the waves can look pretty daunting for some of us more than others. But, you know... um, But I think the encouragement is still Jesus says, you know, and in that picture and in that image that he is the God of the universe. He is. He is that God. He is in command of it. He is over it. He is the creator God. And the the disciples had, uh, you know, their response. um, I'll come back to that because there's some other stories I want to share as well. But why worship in the season of the chaos and of the winds? And I think the number one thing I want to share today is that it connects us with our story. It connects us with our story, which is God's story. You know, that overarching story that I remember talking about last time, actually. um, That he is the God who spoke and created. He placed his image in the earth. His temple was the earth, and he placed his images, which is us, in that temple. And then we see his story being woven throughout history, some of the amazing stories. Um, And I've been looking at, yeah, so firstly, uh, worship connects us with God's story and his plan. He is the God who was, he is the God who is now, and he is the God who is to come. And that anchors us in to that foundation, that fact that no matter what, he is the God, he's our story, we're with him. And he doesn't change. That's my story. That's your story. That's our story. So I think we worship connects us in with that. It's an eternal story. Um, And then I've gone back and I over the week I've looked at Um, I was reminded of Elijah, when Elijah took on the prophets of Baal, or Baal, um, at Mount Carmel. And um, it's an amazing story to go back and read over. You know, he built that, uh, such a cool story, but he built the altar um, in which to sacrifice um, he, from his story, he, he actually went and got 12 stones. If you read it in First Kings 18, each stone represented a tribe of Israel. And so he knew his story. He knew his God. And he built, he built an altar in which to sacrifice, which was an act of worship, which was also an act of warfare. And it did what it needed to do in the day. Um, I think of um, moving on to the story of the, been looking at the Hebrews in the Hebrew, you know, Shadrach, Meshach and Abednego in the story of the fiery furnace. You can find that story in the book of Daniel in the Old Testament. And when I was reading through that story, some of us are really familiar of it. And if, if you're not familiar with it, can I encourage you to, to look up these stories? These are great heroes of where God has Yes, people have worshipped, they have attuned their heart and positioned their heart and their life and their what they have done in order to honour glory and everything is about God. He was, he is, and he is to come. And they've stuck with that. Anyway, the, the guys in the fiery furnace, I, I was reading this story again. I thought, how did they know to answer King Nebuchadnezzar with, with, uh, you know, with how they answered them. And I also wonder, how long do you think? I-, I was just thinking last night, how long did they have before they got to the point where, okay, you're throwing in the furnace now? You know, it would have taken time. I- I'm just imagining it would have taken time for Nebuchadnezzar to plan the statue, to have it built. And then did they pull everybody to the one statue or did they carry it around the land and have everybody... I don't really know, but then it, it took also time for the officials to report back to King Nebuchadnezzar that hey, some of these guys that you brought, you know, they they were in captivity. They've been taken as, um, yeah, captives into Babylon, and some of these guys that you've now appointed as fish as officials in your government, they're not playing by the rules. You, they're not bowing down, and um, anyway, so yeah, um, I wonder how long they had and what they had well, you know, to plan their, their response, and how did they know to respond with, O Nebuchadnezzar, you know, I don't know if they said O King, but O King Nebuchadnezzar, our God is well able to save us. But even if he doesn't, we still will not bow. How did they know to say, our God is able? It's Because they knew their story. They knew the story that they were a part of. They knew their story of of creation, of God speaking and putting his image in his people. He, they knew their story of, of the ark and of God saving um, his people. And they knew the story of, you know, parting of the Red Sea and God rescuing a nation out of captivity in Egypt. They knew the story of, do you know what I mean? If you can think of all the stories, that history, they knew that story, and they knew that our God is able. He can rescue us, but even if he doesn't, because he has the might and he has the power, but even if he doesn't, we still will not bow. And again, the response of the king, um, and each, yeah, that story is after, you know, they were, as you know, they were thrown into the fire. Uh, you'll have to go and read the rest of the story, but I just found that was really why did how did they know? How did they know to say that? Because they were anchored in to, to his story. Um, and then I was thinking in reading about Paul, um, you know, how did Paul know that in each of his trials and tribulations that actually he could say, Well, I'm I'm content, I'm content with whatever I have lack or abundance or you know that paul went through incredible hardships imprisonments and beatings and he was he was again captive um you know and imprisoned in a, in a roman roman prison which certainly was not a uh yeah we got no idea of um the hardships i think and um i was I, what i found was really interesting i was reading in second corinthians you can read about uh, Paul in many places, but I found this was really interesting when I was reading through 2 Corinthians 5, 6, 7, 8, um, uh, the other week, actually. Um, i just read you this. He said, For when we came into Macedonia, this body of ours has had no rest, but we were harassed at every turn. Conflicts on the outside, fears within, but the God who comforts the downcast, and he goes on. And I just thought that was really interesting. Wow, Paul, the great Paul, who we have many of his writings and his letters. He acknowledged, he had fear within. I bet Shadrach, Meshach and Abednego, you know, well, well, I don't bet, actually, I don't really know, but I'm picking they were human beings and that fiery furnace, you know, would have been pretty scary. I think Elijah um, showed after that incredible victory on Mount Carmel, where he, he broke the drought. Through pushing back with worship, he he actually broke... And then rain came. It hadn't rained for three days. Well, then straight after that, you know, Jezebel gave him a big scary message and he freaked out and ran away. He had fear. But none of these people stopped there. They pressed on. And I think because they knew the God of their story and they were anchored in deep, they were able to continue on and... Uh, um, yeah like they were they continued on to see victory, however that looked in those situations. many, many more stories um, throughout history, not just biblical history, but we can read where I think knowing our story is a really huge deal. And I think why worship? because worship reminds us of that story that we're a part of. We're reminded that it lifts our eyes to actually, the God of his power and his might. So in each of these stories that I've talked about, the, the kings or the ones who were witnessed to that miracle just went, oh, okay, I get it. God, you are the only one true God. The disciples, they bowed down and worshipped him. Oh, truly, they recognized Jesus as the God from the God of creation. Um. You know, most of the kings in the Old Testament, when you read those stories, when they saw a miracle, is okay, we are now all bowing down and worshipping the God of the Hebrews because he was so powerful. And I think worship does that for us. It lifts our eyes to see the power and the majesty and the might of God that we can sit with and we can bring that, his story, um, I was going to say into our story, yeah, and vice versa, you know, we're anchored into his story. Um, and it goes way beyond our season that we're in right now, even though, uh, yeah, we don't know what's what's coming after this season, and hopefully we will be able to meet again, and the world will all be filled with rainbows and light and good things, but, you know, um, however this life turns out... Um, Yeah, my encouragement is is that as we worship, as we take time to sit with the majesty and the bigness of who God is, through the stories of the scripture, through the heroes of the faith, if you need some places to start, start at Hebrews 11. Hebrews is in the New Testament, look up chapter 11, the stories of the faith, um, and pick a story and you read it through and it's incredibly encouraging that's our God. So wherever we find ourselves today, that's our God. So yeah, I think it invokes, I think when we understand and we see his glory, we see his power, his might, his care, his tenderness, whatever situation we need, he is there and that invokes us in giving him glory and worship is to be directed to him. It's a Yeah, and it opens up, I'll read you Psalm 50. Um, It says, He who sacrifices, thank offerings, honors me, and he prepares the way so that I may show him the salvation of God. So I think back to Elijah when he offered that sacrifice. It opened the way for God to work. And I would like to suggest that as we choose to worship, as we choose to intentionally Turn our hearts toward God as we intentionally, however you might do that, um, it opens the way for God to work in our lives. And I think as well, it lifts, I think when we worship, it's never about, I was going to say it's never about us. It's never about us, just about us, because it does, it lifts our hearts up, but actually it lifts our eyes to what else is going on in the world. Now, we are a part of a historical family and story, but we're also a part of a world story that is happening now, you know, currently in this time. We have brothers and sisters in Christ who are facing extreme persecution around the globe. And I honestly believe that as we worship and as we intentionally lift our eyes and we give God glory and honor for who he is, because he was, he is, and he is to come. He does not change. I honestly believe our worship somehow in the heavenlies helps to push back the tide of darkness. I think, you know, God has been eternal, but... And, yeah. <laughs> darkness has been around ever since the garden and beforehand. You know what I mean? It's the same old story that God's enemy wants to... Take out the image of God and take it and to hurt God from the earth. So I believe our worship, you know, our dedication, our love focused on God can actually help push back. It, I guess that helps make a way. I guess it's what that scripture is saying. You know, he who sacrifices thanksgiving honors me, and he prepares the way for the for the salvation of God. He prepares the way that God works. So why worship? I think um, I've said it enough times, hopefully, Um, to be clear, it's because it's our story. It's his story and it anchors us in and that is a great place to be anchored in. And when you take it all apart and we take everything is stripped back, it's, we're in Him. We're hidden in God, and He is in us, and we're in His story, and His story has not finished yet. We were born for such a time as this. God knew that we were born in this season, in this hour, and I just wonder, you know, what will, what song will we write, will we raise as Maharangi Vineyard, as individuals, but we collectively are part of our, our church family? What what will history look back and know that, what, what was the song that we raised? I just think it's a great question to ask. What song, what, um, you know, what guts do we hold? What's the, what's the main thing that we will champion, that we will hold? And what, what will we worship, you know, what will we bring to God? And who will we, who will we worship in these times? I just think it's a wonderful question to ask. Yeah, what will we... Yeah, what song will we raise in this season? Um, it also, I think, why worship? It also connects us with each other as our church family. Um, and so I love... have I've really enjoyed hearing people's um, little snippets about what you guys are up to during this season. Um... You know, worship and connecting in with God will look different ways. So, for me, and I, I really encourage you know the list that that we put together. For us, um, I can pro- I'm sure I can speak on the half behalf of the other worship leaders. We, we take time and we um, we really sit with the songs and we're like, actually, God, I really feel this is like. This is this is encouraging, or this is what you want to say to our church family this week. And this week, um, the songs that I've put together in the list, I really hope talk about the the eternal story that we're a part of. That um, yeah, that there is hope. God is at work, and there is hope, and it's not finished yet. Um, Yeah, but maybe you're someone who needs to go out for a run, or a walk, or get out into nature, or I don't know what it is for you that will raise your level of intentional worship, but I just encourage you, just do it. Pick a moment. It doesn't matter if you're doing the dishes, or if you're driving to work, or if everybody's out and you have a quiet moment to yourself. It can be loud, it can be quiet, but my encouragement is use your voice to worship God. To honour the God who was, who is, and who is to come. There is something about physically speaking out his praise and his worship. So that's my encouragement this week um, that as you worship, you connect in with his story. You use the worship lists, or you've got your own CDs, or your own scriptures, or your own whatever it takes for you to connect in with God and his story. My encouragement to you today is that you intentionally do that. So I'd like to finish by praying. So, um, yeah, I invite you to pray with me now, however uh, however and wherever you find yourself. So, Father, I thank you so much that you are the God who was, who is, and who is to come, and you do not change. God, I thank you that you are at work, and when we worship, we clear the way. We pave a way for you to work and your salvation to outworking through us and in us and in the world around us. Spirit of God, I thank you for each person who has um, is a part of Maharingi Vineyard or is a part of watching this Spirit of God that you would empower each of us. The same spirit that raised Christ from the dead, the same spirit that spoke through the prophets, the same spirit that spoke and world, you created the world. You are our story and you live within each of us. So God, raise our eyes to you this week. Raise our hope and our, um, just our awe and our wonder at who you are and our anchor of who you are and our place in you. God, I bless each person here. In Jesus' name, amen. So God bless, have a great week, and I hope we see you really soon.